Cool. Good morning, church. Um, welcome to our, our second week of online service. Um, I miss you all very much. I miss being able to, to worship with you and to have a cup of coffee and chat and give you a handshake. Uh, I miss um, being able to sit with you and read the Word of God together. Uh, but I'm thankful that we have technology, you know, that we can do this face-to-face um, -face virtually and spend time in the Word together. And so as we um, do that, if you have a Bible, open up to James uh, chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. You know, as I was spending time just praying about what I would teach on this Sunday, um, the Lord really pressed on my heart that now or never, during this time of self-isolation, we have such an opportunity to, to slow down and focus on the things that matter. You know, between working like a 40-hour job and having kids and a home life and church life, it's so easy for me to... Um, not make the things that really matter a priority in my life. And I suppose one of the biggest things in my life that I don't make a priority when I should is my prayer life. You know, I always make excuses, I'm too tired to pray, I don't have enough time, I have to go, the kids are making noise. And I, I let my prayer life so often uh, slip to the side. Prayer can be hard. I think it can be hard for all of us. But what an opportunity now, you know, where, where we are in a time of self-isolation, when we are in a time of, um, for some of us, joblessness, or else our job life has changed to where we're at home more. What an opportunity that we have to actually slow down and pray. You know, an opportunity to slow down and spend time with our Lord Jesus through reading his word, yes, but also through praying. And so this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time um, here this morning. We're not going to go into a, a super in-depth Bible study. It's not going to be a 45-minute um, sermon. Praise be to God, says all of you. But um, we are going to spend a little time talking about prayer, and the importance of it, but ultimately the, the power of prayer. Because prayer is powerful so again if you have a bible open to james chapter 5 verses 13 to 18 uh, let's read and let's pray james 5 13 is anyone among you suffering let him pray is anyone cheerful let him sing praise is anyone among you sick let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Church, this is God's word. Let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this morning that we can, um, God, meet virtually with each other, but God, meet always with you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you have uh, made a way that we can boldly approach you um, and your throne to find grace for help in time of need. 
And God, we only have that access through, God, the work of your son, Jesus, and what he did on the cross for us. We enter in to the Holy of Holies by the precious blood of Christ. And we thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity to pray to you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. And Lord, would you this ignite in our hearts this morning a burden, a passion, a, a zealous desire to pray more and more, God, to spend more time with you. God, we can't do that by ourselves. We need that um, help that comes from you. And so we ask to receive it, Lord. We ask that you would change us by the washing of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so as we get into this, let's set a bit of, of context. Uh, it might be helpful for understanding what was happening when James wrote this letter to the Christian churches. So many commentators believe he is primarily speaking to Jewish Christians who have been scattered across the Roman Empire, um, from even the, from the Babylonian exile onwards, and he's speaking to them, the Jews of the diaspora, who again no longer live in their homeland and no longer are with their people. So James tells us in chapter one of this letter that these Christians have been facing various trials because of their faith. A persecution was coming because of their allegiance to Jesus and they were suffering for it. And what happens, as often happens in our lives when hard times come, we see that the Christians here were complaining about the hard times they found themselves in. And how naturally, how often do we complain and make that the first words that come out of our mouths when hardship comes, when, when trials come our way? You know, they, they grumbled against each other and they were grumbling against those outside the church who brought them hardship. And so James, he writes this letter to encourage them, uh, to exhort them to, to, to look at their situations, you know, to review how they're acting, but ultimately to teach them how to be Christians uh, when the rubber meets the road. And he speaks about various things in this book, uh, from, from giving to the poor, you know, giving to the, the widow, the orphan, uh, to not discriminating against people based on their appearances. He talks about how our salvation needs fruit. You know, we don't earn our salvation by our works, but we prove our salvation by them. And he makes warnings um, against the rich who place their trust in this world and the things of this world. He makes warnings against earthly wisdom over heavenly wisdom. He talks about taming the tongue, how our tongue is often our worst enemy, and especially when it leads us to grumble and to complain. And at the end of this book, what we're going to focus on this morning, he concludes his book by speaking on the topic of prayer. You know, what would be their best weapon against the circumstances they found themselves in? Well, it was, it was prayer. You know, James believed in the power of prayer. And this morning, I want to encourage you to believe in that same power. Again, in, in many ways, our, our, our situation is different to the Christians that James is speaking to here. But in other ways, it's strikingly similar. So like the Christians he's speaking to in this book, you know, we church, we are scattered around this city, around this county and surrounding counties as well. And, you know, because of the coronavirus. And unlike the church in the first century, we may be going through various uh, trials right now. You know, some of you no doubt have have lost your work uh, because of this virus. 
Some of you may be sick or you might have a loved one who's sick that you can't get to. Some of you are isolated from your friends and your family and your community. You know, I, I can't go near my, my grandparents during this time um, for, for their own benefit and for not spreading disease. And, you know, when all this comes against us, it's so easy to, to struggle in our faith. You know, we look at uh, social media, we see the hysteria of people and the fear. And Tyrone mentioned this last week, how so many people have no hope. And, you know, as we learned from Tyrone last week, we as Christians, we have a hope, and that hope is our hope in Jesus Christ and the life to come. But as we look at the world around us, it's so easy to fall into the same um, traps as everybody else and grumble and complain about others, you know, about the situation we're in, and even about God. You know, this room, my office, I've been trapped in here uh, the last week with my wife and my children, and it's it's been great spending time with them. And, you know, uh, Nora or Roshi will run through this door here and she'll be like, Daddy's working! And give me a big hug and run off. And that's cute the first time, even the 10th time. But the 50th time, it starts to get on your nerves. And it becomes very easy to grumble and complain about your children. Many, many of you are facing the same situation right now. Your kids are at home, they want to get outside. And they just discount and it's easy to complain about your spouse, about your family, about your friends, about the situation. We've all been there. But what is the solution? Again, what do we as Christians need right now? What can we as Christians do to serve our families, serve our friends, serve our community, and ultimately serve the Lord? Well, it's this, we pray. And we pray because prayer is powerful and prayer is our weapon. And no matter what situation, no matter what trial, whatever it is that comes our way, we don't have to look around and feel hopeless because we can look to a Lord who is sovereign over all and we can pray. And that's what I want you to apply to your lives this morning. You know, we could cut the sermon short here, that's it. That we need to be a people of prayer. Again, we're self-isolating, we're stuck at home, we want life to slow down. So what an opportunity we have now to discipline ourselves in becoming people of prayer. But look, um, prayer can be hard. And I'm not, the f I'm not afraid to admit that, prayer can be hard. Um, sometimes we don't know how to pray in a situation or what to pray for. Uh, sometimes we don't have the strength or the will or the faith to pray. Sometimes it seems like prayer is pointless because we don't see the outcome that we desire. And sometimes we feel like God doesn't even hear our prayers. You know, I, I felt like that often in my life. And so with that, we're going to camp out in James 5 for a few minutes. And we're going to draw out four principles that we see from our text to help us grow in our prayer life. Um, four principles. So I guess if you take notes, the first one is this, and it's that prayer is for all situations. Prayer is for all situations. James 5, 13 to 14 says, Is anyone suffering? Well, let them pray. Is anyone cheerful? Well, let them pray. Let him sing praise. 
Is anyone among you sick? Call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so the first thing we see here is that when it comes to our prayer life, there is no thing that is too big or too small for the Lord. Look at the things he says here. Is anyone suffering? Is anyone in a joyful, good place? Is anyone sick? James's response to it all is to pray. Is to come before God, either in our suffering or our thanksgiving or our brokenheartedness, and pray to him. And we say, look, well, yeah, well, yeah, obviously, but sometimes we feel like we can't bring everything to God in prayer. And, you know, we would never say that out loud, but I think our actions uh, prove this. And what, what a shame that is. Because how much, like, like the old hymn says, you know, what pain we needlessly carry because we do not take our, our needs to the Lord in prayer. I think of it like being in school. You know, you're sitting in a classroom and your teacher's talking and you want to put up your hand. You want to ask a question, but you're afraid. You know, you're, you're afraid of asking the, uh, the stupid question, you know, for fear of what they may think. You know, I should know that by now. Why am I asking this question? You know, sure, the guy should know what to do. And sometimes we do the same with God, where we don't bring needs to him because we feel like, you know, we should have the answer and we should already know. Or think about it in work. Um, I have a great boss in work. And I, I know I could approach him um, with any situation. But there is a pride inside of me that only wants to bring the important things to him because, you know, I don't want it to look like that. I can't handle things. And how often do we do that with God? But we don't bring the little nitty-gritty details of life to him because we feel like we have to be able to handle it ourselves. God wants to hear all of your prayers. You know, from A to Z, he wants to hear everything. And scripture encourages us to bring all our prayers to God. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present you. paul in first thessalonians chapter 5 says rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of god in jesus christ for you so god's will is that you would give thanks to him that you would pray without ceasing that you would rejoice that you would bring all things to him in prayer in fact that uh, God said to the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 33, verse 3, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God wants us to call to him. God wants us to pray to him. But again, sometimes it's like, well, what, what, what do we pray for? Uh, how do we pray? Where do we start? You know, when I first became a Christian, I, I really didn't know how to pray. I went to a prayer meeting um, that our church was hosting on the quay in Ian's house. Ian was the old worship leader in the church. And, you know, I was afraid to pray because I didn't know what to say. And, you know, I prayed a prayer. It was Thanksgiving from the heart of, for the church I found and salvation I received. And that, you know, I was like, did I, did I pray that right? Because I didn't know. But, you know, I think the most basic place to start is the Lord's Prayer. In Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, Luke 11, rather, verses 1 to 4, 
The disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And Jesus, he says to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Now, I don't think Jesus meant for us to make this a carbon copy of this prayer every time, this repeat this prayer. Now, many Christians do, and I think if it's from the heart, that's okay. But for a regular article on the Gospel Coalition that really broke down what um, the areas of prayer and focus on, that focus is here. So Jesus prays um, five different things in this prayer. He prays that God's name would be honored. You know, his focus is on the everlasting glory. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. He prays that, you know, God's kingdom would come. And that's the focus on God's will. You know, that in prayer, we want to seek God's will first. And there's a focus that God's provision is given. And that's the, the focus on our present. You know, give us each day our daily bread. God, meet my needs today. Um, he prays that God's forgiveness is granted, and that's the focus on our past, that we look back and we say, Lord, forgive me for my failings and give me strength. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And finally, the fifth focus of prayer here is that God's deliverance will be provided. You know, deliver us from evil, focusing on the future. I guess those are a few of the basic things that we can begin to pray for. And the more we do it, the more we spend time with God in prayer, the more we are aligned to his will, we will have more to pray for. So that's the first point, um, that prayer is for all situations. The second point is that prayer is collective. Prayer is meant to be with other people. You know, James says, if anyone is sick, let him call for the elders to come and pray for him. He says to, in verse 16, to confess your sins to one another and to pray for one another that you may be healed. Prayer isn't something that just happens alone. Now, there are times where it should just be one-on-one -on -one between you and the Lord. But it is a beautiful thing when Christians come together and when they pray. And it's something that we need. Honestly, it's something I need. You know, James gives us here um, two examples of situations where we need to come around people, where we need people to come around us and support us in prayer. He says, if anyone is sick and needs healing, to call the elders of the church so that they can come and anoint him and pray over him. So this is a situation where a person in the church needs the fate of others in their lives, where they can pray to God for healing. You know, sometimes our hearts find it difficult to pray the situation can seem too big and we get discouraged. Those are moments where we need to be vulnerable with the body of Christ and ask for prayer. The second example James gives Christians is confessing their sins together and seeking prayer. So James says to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, the truth is every Christian will struggle with sin. It's something that's going to happen. And for some Christians, it might be a short struggle. And for others, it might be a lengthier process. And, you know, when you've been a Christian for five, for 10, for 20 years, and you are still struggling with the same sins, it's very easy to try and, and hide them. 
And in fact, that's exactly what the enemy wants for us to hide our sins, to pretend they are not there and to not look for help, to isolate ourselves. And again, during this time of self-isolation, it is so easy for us to fall into sin because we don't have fellowship and we don't have accountability. So I would simply say to you is seek prayer from a fellow Christian. You know, tell them of your struggles. You don't need to go into all the details and ask them for prayer. So collective prayer. And you might be saying, but Danny, how can I get prayer from other Christians? You know, our church meetups aren't happening. Well, there is this wonderful thing called uh, technology. And we can use this in this situation to be able to pray for each other. You know, in all seriousness, we are so blessed to be living in an age where we can pick up the phone, we can send a text message or a WhatsApp message and ask for prayer or see if anyone needs prayer. And if you don't know, we actually have social media groups for the men and the women in the church um, on WhatsApp and on Facebook. And if you want, you can join these, you can ask for prayer and you can encourage other Christians in your church. So that's point number two. When it comes to prayer, prayer is collective. The third point the third point is that prayer is effective. James says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it didn't rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruits. Verses 16 to 18. So one of the most wonderful truths about prayer is that prayer, God hears prayer, and God answers prayer. Now, he might not always do it in the way that we expect or the way we want, but the reality is God moves on prayer. And James tells us that the prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. And he goes on to tell us that this prayer is a prayer from the prophet Elijah. So Elijah, he was a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel during the time of King Ahab. And God used Elijah to bring a time of drought upon the land. And though we don't see it recorded in the first Kings, the opening, the first prayer, we see here that it's because of the prayer of Elijah that this drought started. And James tells us here that Elijah prayed to God that the rain would stop, and it did. Then Elijah prayed for it to rain again, and it did. Elijah was a righteous man, and God answered his prayers. And we know we may read this and think, yeah, but I'm, I'm not righteous. That's Elijah and I'm me. But you know, before we even get there, James says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You know, Elijah was a messed up sinner like you and me. In fact, 1 Kings chapter 19 records that as Elijah is fleeing from Jezebel, it tells us that he wanted God to kill him. He just wanted to die. He had enough. He says, Lord, it is enough now. Oh Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. You know, the righteous prophet of God just wanted to give up. And so what happens? He, he takes a nap under a tree, and then God sends an angel to bring him some food. And he felt much better, and he goes off to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. So there's a serious case of um, hunger going on here. But you know, Elijah wasn't perfect, but he had a God who was. And this God answered prayer. You know, Christian, when you pray, 
The same is true for you. You, as you know, are not perfect, but your heavenly father is perfect. And so it doesn't matter if you don't think you're righteous or you don't feel righteous. If you are a Christian and in Christ, you are righteous. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ, you are righteous, and in Christ, your prayers are powerful. Prayer is powerful. The Lord moves on prayer. Some of the greatest revivals that have happened in the centuries have been credited to Christians meeting in prayer and taking that seriously. And there's a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Simbala, the pastor of uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle Church in New York. And in this book, he tells the powerful story of how the church he had taken over was on its last legs. Um, the church wasn't being the church. It wasn't on mission. It was falling apart. And Jim felt this desperate need for the church to pray together. You know, their prayer service became the main thing. And what happened was God began to move. People became on fire for the Lord. Unbelievers were being saved. And the church today has impacted millions of people around the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we ask, well, what changed? What changed was the church prayed. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, the famous 19th century uh, prince of preachers, as he's called, from the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, he had this amazing ministry. The impact of God's, you know, work in this man's life is still being felt today. And Spurgeon was a man who believed in the power of prayer. You know, when people would walk through the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, Spurgeon would take them to the basement, uh, which was a boiler room, which they used as a prayer room where people were always on their knees interceding for the church. And, you know, Spurgeon would declare, here is the powerhouse of the church, the prayer meeting. Jesus believed in the power of prayer. The Gospels record he was constantly in prayer. You know, after a day of miracles, he withdrew himself in the mountains and he would pray. So our Lord knew the power of prayer, of having intimacy with the Father and drawing power from the Holy Spirit. So prayer is our weapon. So may we pray in faith. And finally, prayer is relational. Verse 14, it says, anointing him, in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will sa save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed the sins, he will be forgiven. So this is important. Uh, I think it's the most important point this morning, is that prayer is relational. It is something that happens between you and God. And James says here that people are the ones who pray in anointing verse 14, but it is the Lord who hears, the Lord who heals, and the Lord who forgives. You know, prayer isn't just mindless chanting. It's not speaking to the walls in your room. I used to work in a coffee shop in Tramore, and there's a lady who said she would always pray to the universe for this and that. I don't think the universe heard her. But sometimes when we pray, it feels like God doesn't hear us, right? You know, I remember before I was a Christian, in my teenage years, Whenever I would lose something, I would frantically run around the room and I would pray to Jesus, I would pray to Mary, I would pray to St. Anthony, anything I could over and over and over again in the hopes that something would hear me and help me find what I was looking for. 
But, you know, as Christians, we don't have to pray like that. We can pray with humble confidence because our prayer is between us and our Heavenly Father. Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, uh, verse 5 to 8, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Your Father knows what you need before you even ask. You know what love God has for us? What confidence that we can have to go before God and know that he hears our prayers. And we ask, well, where does that confidence come from? It comes from church, our relationship, and our confession of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain that is true of flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Jesus Christ, he went to the cross for you and for me. He was crucified for our sins so that we could be forgiven. He was buried. He rose again. He has conquered sin and death. When we place our faith in Christ, it says that we have access to the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Christian, you have been washed by the precious blood of Christ. You are forgiven and God now calls you his child. And you can cry out to him, Abba, Father, and he will hear. So hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful now if you're watching this right now or listening to the podcast and you are not a christian then notice that there is one prayer and one prayer only that god wants from you he wants you to call out to him that he might save you and all you need to do is come to god in faith you know, in prayer, confess, Jesus, you are Lord. Say, I believe that you are risen from the grave and that you can save me. If you believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, you confess it and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Ask him into your heart. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, give me of my sins. I give my life to you. Ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You know, will you pray this prayer? If you do, then you will have the same access to the Father, and he will hear your prayers. Come to Jesus today. Come through the precious blood of Christ. So church, be encouraged. We have a God who hears, who knows our needs, and who we can turn to in prayer. Um, I'm going to be posting some additional resources in the comment section on the Facebook page to help you with prayer further. 
along with some things I'd like you to pray for today, particularly around the coronavirus. And if you need prayer for anything, contact myself, contact Pastor Tyrone or anyone else in the church, and we'd be happy to pray for you. God bless, guys. Have a great Sunday.